When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. He can smell fried cheese curds from 15 miles away. This is the Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. Good morning and happy Monday to you. It's 5.05 on the clock and the calendar says it is December 9th, 2019. We've got a lot to catch you up on as the entire Midwest Farm Report team was in the Wisconsin Dells this past weekend for the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation's annual meeting and YFA conference. For those of you following along on social media, we did a pretty fun contest on Friday. It was called Be the Babe, and we asked YFA members to essentially do what us farm broadcasters do every single day. We gave them a script. We asked them to record it, send it to us, and then the winner, we were going to cut them a check for $500. I will say we had a lot of brave souls submit, and everybody told me that the markets is what screwed them up. But in the end, Isabella Hain was crowned the winner, and she got a check for $500. You can see the pictures of that on our Facebook page. You can find our Facebook page by searching Fabulous Farm Babe. I'm Josh Scramlin for the Midwest Farm Report. Stay tuned. More ahead in moments. Be prepared for the cold months ahead with a trip to Blaine's Farm and Fleet. We carry a wide assortment of products to help keep your projects moving along. Safeguard your birds from the cold with Farm Innovators heated chicken mats. Easy to use in coops or pens, priced at $39.99. Keep your pets safe and secure with the Pet Lodge XL Wire Crate, just $74.99. Other sizes also on sale. Save $60 on a heavy-duty sheeted bull bale feeder from Balin. It's $359.99. And keep pesky rodents away with rodent control products from Blaine's Farm and Fleet. We have a wide variety of products to meet all your needs, like just one bite, two pellet packs. A pack of 86 1.5-ounce packs, now $10 off. Save on the brands you love. Now with Blaine's Loyalty Rewards Program, earn points and save even more. Join Blaine's Rewards today and take advantage of member rewards pricing, special offers and savings, and member-only events. Find values like these and more at Blaine's Farm and Fleet. The original, authentic, still family-owned since 1955. The best of times you cherish and hold Deserve a gift of diamonds and gold This is Paul Christ for Goodman's Jewelers. For over 25 years, I've been a loyal customer of theirs. You see, John Hayes and his staff know exactly what I want, and that's why they've earned my trust. And for me, you can't place a value on that. Put your trust in Goodman's Jewelers like I have. Take my word on it. You won't be disappointed. Goodman's Jewelers, 220 State Street. A destination worth reaching. The best is at Goodman's. Well, you know, last week we talked about how much work Wisconsin farmers had gotten done and what is left to get done as far as field work. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. You know, we've got about 86% of our soybeans that did get harvested, but only about 66% of our corn, and it was awfully wet at that. All kinds of challenges when it comes to the harvest of 2019, Scott, and that's no surprise to your guest this morning. That's right, Pam. This is Scott Schultz on the northern end of the world's longest barn in Eau Claire. The planting and harvesting season is serious business for custom harvesting operations in any year, and this year had custom harvesters in many parts of the Midwest, in many parts of the Midwest, facing some special challenges. It was business as usual in some areas of the country, though, but either way, U.S. Custom Harvesters board member Reef Jolliffe 
said weather-affected areas should drive home the option of hiring a custom harvester, then that's a good option. I asked Rafe about how the season's gone for him around his Colorado base compared with what he's heard about from other custom operators around the country. When we think about the different facets of agriculture, sometimes it's easy to get caught up in the names and thinking that they face different challenges, like conventional versus organic. Both of these portions of agriculture do face similar challenges. One area where they are facing a different challenge this year is the fact that based on how things are looking for harvest for 2019, it looks as though 2020 is going to be a major import year for organic grain markets. I was able to talk with Ryan Corey, who's the Director of Economics at Marcaris, about how this year's harvest is starting to look. You know, a lot of the problems that we see in organic are uh, a reflection of what we're seeing in the conventional sector. Uh, we had an unusually cold and wet and prolonged spring, which caused a lot of difficulty with respect to planting. And that's being translated into a lower acre harvested this year. Uh, in addition to that, we also didn't have exactly the best growing conditions at the start of the year. And so we're seeing that reflected in lower yields as well. So overall, if you're looking at organic corn and organic soybeans, uh, those crops that principally come out of the U.S. Corn Belt region, you're looking at lower production. Uh, looking at wheat, we actually looked for a little bit of room for wheat production to expand this year. Uh, but a lot of that expansion is expected to occur out of the uh, western part of the United States, where a lot of your food-grade wheat's produced. Uh, looking back at the Corn Belt, we're actually looking for a reduction in wheat, particularly winter wheat production. And a lot of that reduction, again, comes back to the fact that uh, that's a winter cover crop primarily, and there were a lot of difficulties managing those crops and harvesting those crops over the spring, given the weather issues we had. Like you said, it's kind of mirroring what's happening uh, happening in the conventional sector as well. For what crops have been harvested thus far, what are you guys seeing in terms of quality? You know, there's not a lot that has been harvested so far. We're in the very early days of harvest, and we've had a lot of wet weather uh, at the beginning of this fall. Uh, thinking about organic, organic usually gets harvested at a little bit of a delay to the conventional. Um, and with that, we're seeing a similar thing this year. Now, in terms of quality, that has been a concern. You know, I think as in general, the industry has an idea of where they think total supplies are going to come in. And so now the real question is, what is that quality going to look like, particularly whenever you think about things like soybeans or whenever you think about uh, protein levels in wheat when uh, wheat starts to get harvested. So we're not particularly uh, – we don't exactly know where that side of the market is going to come out, but those are manifesting as concerns right now within the industry. And then speaking of kind of some of the concerns in the industry, how did the blizzard a couple weekends ago, how is that impacting organic markets? Uh, you know, frankly, right now, uh, somewhat unexpectedly, prices are staying fairly steady and, uh, and a little bit on the lower range of what you would expect as we're moving into the harvest period. Some of that seems to be a product of the fact that we saw a lot of forward marketing at the beginning of the year. Uh, a lot of people locking in supplies back when supply risks were much higher, and there was a lot of uncertainty about price. And so that's kind of dampened the uh, amount of market activity we're seeing. Also, uh, anecdotally, we've heard there's some higher carryover stocks this year coming out of the 18-19 marketing year. So that's leaving people out of the market and keeping prices a little bit down at the moment compared to what we'd expect. 
uh, with the weather specifically, you know, I think that just adds more uncertainty to that risk picture in terms of both yields and quality. You know, right now we are working off of speculative yields as harvest isn't completely finished. And so those yields could end up higher or lower depending on how things end of the, the end of this harvest. And, you know, weather issues like this only add to that downside risk on yield. And then, again, with quality, you know, if you have wet conditions that prohibit you from harvesting and those crops sit out there longer, it just degrades the the quality of that crop once it is harvested. So I think it creates a lot more upside risk for price and a lot more upside risk for supply once we get harvest on the books and the market starts to pick back up again. It sounds like things could be down harvest numbers-wise overall, which could lead to an import increase. How much are you expecting next year to have to increase imports-wise? Yeah, you know, with this reduced production, we definitely see it opening the door for imports, Uh, particularly given the fact that we do expect the cheap demand side in the organic sector, organic livestock, it's likely to continue to expand over this next year. Now, with that said, it appears the pace of livestock feed demand is slowing down and it's likely to be slow over this next year. So that'll limit some of that upward pressure on imports. But if production is down domestically and demand is increasing, then that definitely increases that window. And and really what we're looking for is more expansion in terms of the amount of soybean meal coming in, probably some more whole organic soybeans, and a ratchet up in organic corn imports. Um, Definitely up from what we saw last year. Uh, But, you know, I I would be hesitant to say we'll hit new record levels. You know, over 16, 17, that's where we saw organic imports really kind of reach their their fever pitch. And I, I don't know that I would expect them to reach quite that level, but I definitely look for a significant increase over what we saw last year's import levels reach. And how long are you expecting this increased import need to be? Just one year, a couple years down the road, or is it kind of dependent on what next year's planting looks like? Sure, sure. You know, one of the interesting things that isn't really highlighted in these numbers is just how much growth the industry actually did achieve this past year. Uh, one of the metrics that we look at is number of certified organic operations in the U.S. And the number of operations expected to harvest field crops this year actually increased 6%. And so that's solid growth within the industry itself, even though that's not being reflected necessarily in acres because of some of the weather issues that we've seen. So if we take that 6% growth plus, you know, whatever growth we may achieve over this year, plus a recovery in uh acres being able to plant it and harvest it in better production conditions, we could see a lot more organic grain in the market by the time we get to the 2021 marketing year. And so if that does turn out to be the case, then we could see that shut down imports pretty quickly, and we could see those turn back below where they were over this past year. But that's usually speculative on you know weather and based on industry growth and on prices and how things go over this next year. But you know, I don't think that there's a lot in the cards to say the increase that we see this year is going to become a long-term phenomenon. I think it's going to be more response to just the particulars of production this year. Looking into spring of next year, so it sounds like you uh, numbers on the rise for certified organic farms, but are you anticipating higher, higher levels of organically planted acreage next year? Yeah, you know, that's uh, one of those factors that we didn't see much growth in this year, and we actually saw a decline in a lot of your chief uh, crops, corn and wheat and soybeans, things like that out of the Corn Belt area, is that the number of acres planted per operation fell. And where we saw them be pushed into were things like uh, summer cover crops and hay and alfalfa, essentially trying to compensate for those fields that you weren't able to plant as a cash crop 
forcing them into other crops that you know you may be able to use for grazing or you may be able to get some kind of revenue out of. And so if you think about the fact that an uh, organic farmer may have missed some acres that they would have otherwise planted corn this year and the necessity of crop rotations, that definitely opens you up to the opportunity of even more corn and, or even more soybeans being put in next year. So I definitely wouldn't be surprised to see some kind of strong response back the other direction if organic farmers push more acres back into these principal cash crops because they missed the opportunity this year. And any pieces of advice for those organic growers out there regarding marketing or looking into 2020? You know, the biggest thing that I try to advise people towards at the moment is don't get lost too much in the story of the reduced production. You know, that is a major element right now within the organic sector. And uh, it's definitely going to impact things that occur over this next year. Um, But with that said, keep a consideration of the other things like growth in livestock demand and the potential for imports, because those could be hugely mitigating factors for any kind of bullish price support we may get from production. So both for producers and purchasers, you know, as a producer, uh, you know, maybe don't expect prices to go as high as they may have otherwise with this reduced production outlook. And as a uh, as a purchaser, you know, you can't expect higher prices because supplies are tight. So just try to keep the whole market in context when you think about these things. That was Ryan Corey, Director of Economics at Marcaris, talking about how this year's planting and harvest is going to be impacting organic grain markets for 2020 and what maybe to think about regarding next year. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Reba McClone. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. The fabulous farm babe Pam Yonke wants to turn your baby into a fabulous farm baby. Go online now to fabulousfarmbabe.net. Check out those adorable baby bibs and sign up to get yours absolutely free. Thanks to the wonderful folks at Quick Trip. Supplies are extremely limited, so don't delay. Log on now, fabulousfarmbabe.net. Here's a chance to turn your baby into a fabulous farm baby. I'm Matt Damon. I'm Zachary Levi. I'm Uzo Aduba. Join Major League Baseball and Stand Up to Cancer as we stand in honor of all loved ones affected by this disease. Visit standuptocancer.org slash MLB. Stand up with us. When he was in college, he would use his talent as a world-renowned hog caller as a way to pick up chicks. This is the Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. It is 519 on the clock. It's Monday, December 9th, 2019, and I'm connected live via Skype with ag meteorologist Stu Muck. Stu, good morning. How's it going? Good morning. Real good, Josh. How about for you? It's going pretty good. I was uh, in Wisconsin Dells this past weekend for the uh, Farm Bureau Conference convention, YFA conference. Felt fantastic. What have you been up to? Oh, just working, trying to get something done before winter comes again. It is is winter coming soon? That's That's the question on everybody's <laughs> mind. Uh, it's not going to look so much like winter, but I think it's going to feel a lot more that way as we head on toward midweek. I mean, there's a lot of cold air dammed up just off to the Northwest and that's going to start settling in. In fact, for a lot of us, temperatures will be falling today during the day. We're starting out. Okay. You know, for a lot of us around freezing or just a little bit above, there's some rain. 
and the weather radar indicates that activity is over in eastern Fond du Lac County, eastern Dodge County, down to southeast Dane County, areas east of that seeing rain. Things have quieted down in the central part of the state, but there's snow, northwest Wisconsin, and then all the way from northeast to southwest Minnesota, northwest Iowa, as a cool front is pulling away from southeast Wisconsin today as that cold air just really settles in out of the northwest, we can all expect to see a little light precipitation. And, of course, La Crosse and Boston have a winter weather advisory in effect today until 6 p.m. because they're more likely to see rain, even a little freezing rain and some snow, and snow that could accumulate. Almost all of us may get a half inch of snow or so out of this before it's done by today or tonight. But at Lacrosse and Boston, could be a little more, but could be closer to an inch or so, but could mix with that drizzle or freezing drizzle, meaning slippery spots and things like that. So be on the alert. But the big thing is the cold air. Temperatures falling today, staying a whole lot colder overnight and right on into Tuesday. Wednesday, probably the coldest day we've seen in quite some time. It does turn around. In fact, I expect some moderation to happen pretty quickly for Thursday and Friday. But at that time, the next low out of the northwest edge is in a pretty weak little system. But it may account for just a bit of a snow chance Thursday. And it's more likely Friday and starting toward the weekend with more mild air that a rain-snow mix could be a possibility around here. So we do have a little more active weather. Not going to really become winter with a big snow cover or anything, but that cold air is something we have to be ready for in the next few days. I'll have those forecast details right after this. In farming, getting things done early has a way of setting you up for success, like using Corvus for an early season win over weeds. Corvus keeps even the toughest weeds from gaining a foothold. Multiple sites of action deliver superior control of emerged weeds. And later, Corvus reactivates with just a half inch of rain to take out any new weeds that may have sprouted. So get an early season win against weeds with Corvus for end of season rewards. Always read and follow label instructions. Corvus is a restricted use pesticide. Deep history and beautiful scenery. That's what you're in for if you join me on our next agriculture adventure. I'm Pam Yonke inviting you to come along. We're headed to Scotland and Northern Ireland, September 15th through the 25th. We'll tour the iconic Edinburgh Castle, explore the titanic Belfast Museum, and view breathtaking Giant's Causeway. For details, email me, Pam, at midwestfarmreport.com or call 800-826-2266. 5.23 on the clock. It's Josh Scramlin. Join live via Skype with ag meteorologist Stu Muck. Stu, you're talking about colder temperatures in the middle of the week. What else can we be expecting this week? Well, a little bit of precipitation yet this morning. That winter weather advisory, Lacrosse and Boston, until 6 this evening. And in that area, western Wisconsin, some snow could be an inch or so accumulating. But a period of drizzle and freezing drizzle could mix in with it. We all see some of that clouds, fog today, uh, drizzle, light rain, changing to a little snow. Areas east, Oshkosh, Fond du Lac, even uh, Madison could see a, a half inch of snow accumulate later today. Temps pretty nice in the 30s, even a 40 at Madison will fall this afternoon as winds will become westerly, 10 to 20, even gusting around 30 and a bit stronger into western Wisconsin. Mostly cloudy, any of that drizzle, light rain, snow ending tonight, and we drop down toward the single digits for most of us, maybe double digits in the south. Northwest winds 10 to 20, gust to 30, mostly sunny Tuesday, mid or upper teens for highs. Northwest winds 5 to 15, sunny Wednesday. 
just below the teens or maybe low teens in the south. Northwest winds at 5 to 10. And by Thursday, Josh, a little highlight, maybe some light snow, but back up toward 30 or so, so it turns around. But it will be cool for a couple of days coming up. All right, Stu, thank you so much, and we'll talk to you tomorrow morning, okay? You bet. Have a great day. All right. Yep, you as well. That is Ag Meteorologist Stu Mackey joins us live via Skype every single weekday morning right around 5.20 a.m. Hey, also make sure to head to MidwestFarmReport.com. We have a lot of online coverage right now about the Wisconsin Farm Bureau's Young Farmer and Agriculturalist uh, Convention taking place in the Wisconsin Dells this past week, and today is the final day, but... Just posted an article. Ben Huber was selected as the winner of the Excellence in Agriculture Award. And Huber is the Agronomy Department Manager for Insight FS. And we wish him congratulations on that. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. You need corn hybrids with genetics and traits bred and tested in local conditions. I'm Shannon Latham. That's what you get from family-owned, proudly independent Latham High Tech Seeds. Numbers developed for your fields. New Star 4795 VT Double Pro Rib features great disease tolerance. Five-time first test winner 5245 VT Double Pro Rib is a Goss Boss. And 5739 Smart Stacks Rib is a widely adapted Gladiator Hybrid. Pick the best field-by-field at LathamSeeds.com or call 877-GO-LATHAM. You no longer have to hide your hands. Your hands have been taking care of everyone else. Isn't it time that you take care of your hands? A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Did you know there are several aesthetic treatments that help your hands look brighter, healthier, and more youthful? Treatments such as broadband light and chemical or laser peels help with tone, texture, and getting rid of those stubborn age spots. Skin-type procedures can smooth out wrinkles and fine lines, as well as add new collagen. Dermal filler, like Restylane Lift, is used to improve the volume in the back of the hands. The results are noticed immediately, giving you a fuller, more hydrated appearance. Most treatments can last over a year and are more affordable than you might think. Now you can show off your hands with confidence. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. There is no reason to be intimidated by words like gold, diamonds, jewels. No reason at all, especially when you stop into Goodman's Jewelers, 220 State Street, same location they've been at for over 85 years because they haven't been in business that long by intimidating people. They've been in that business by having beautiful pieces at all price points, whether it be an engagement ring, a wedding band, a pendant, maybe even a necklace, birthday, anniversaries, so many different occasions to give such beautiful jewelry that is very affordable. And of course, they've got the bling bling the shine and diamonds but they also have a great selection of other exotic gemstones and a lot of the cuts that are super hot these days they may have that traditional feel that traditional customer service but they also have the new modern looks of today stop in and take a look at their jewelry case talk to the staff find out what it is that they have and what it is that they can create go online goodmansjewelers.com Someday, everyone will have an energy-efficient tankless water heater and an endless supply of hot water. Benjamin Plumbing is now an A-certified dealer of Renai Tankless Water Heaters, the number one selling tankless water heater in North America. Renai Tankless Water Heaters are up to 40% more efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot all day and night with your old water heater. 
Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory-extended warranty. Go tankless. Endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses. I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. Whether you are going on a short vacation or consider yourself a snowbird, it is important to prep your home before you leave. Madison Area Crime Stoppers and the Madison Police Department Crime Prevention Unit have 10 safety tips for you. Number one, make sure all of your exterior doors and windows are locked and then double check them all. Number two, make sure someone will shovel your sidewalk. Number three, have someone you trust check on your house every day or every other day. Number four, leave a contact number with a neighbor in case of an emergency. Tip number five, stop your mail and newspapers. Number six, make sure you have lights set on automatic timers and install exterior motion lights if you don't have them. Number seven, encourage a neighbor with more than one vehicle to park their vehicle in your driveway or garage. Number eight, don't mention that you're away on social media sites. Not only does it tell thieves you're away, but it's free information for scammers. Tip number nine, make an inventory list with photos of all your valuables. And tip number 10, make sure to sign up for Madison Police Department's vacation watch service. You can visit at madisonpolice.com for more information. You love to cook. Life should be lived like baking a spectacular 14-layer chocolate cake, and you should be the one to choose the icing. This is Pete Gunderson. At Gunderson Funeral and Cremation Care, it costs nothing to prearrange affordable options and plan your life celebration. Gunderson Funeral and Cremation Care, your hometown life celebration center. Learn more at gundersonfh.com. Uh, visiting with Ken Sterling, uh, CBS Sports Indianapolis. Talk about just the, the state of Indiana basketball, Ken. I mean, you think about the, the greatness of all the titles with Bob Knight. Obviously, Tom Crean let go. It did have some success, but, I mean, it's it's been some some thin times. I mean, you're talking three straight years of no March Madness for Indiana. How anxious, how just crazed is this Hoosier fan base getting to get back into March Madness? Well, this is a big year for Archie Miller. This is his third year, and, and this is kind of nut-cutting time for Archie. If if they're not good this year, then people are going to start to turn a little bit. But right now, because of the recruiting, and, and I know you guys, Wisconsin loves to recruit, recruit Wisconsin in the Chicagoland area, and they're geographically, like there's a radius you guys really enjoy dealing with, and that's the case in Indiana. And the thing that really rubbed people the wrong way with Tom Crean is he stopped being able to recruit well in Indiana. He just wore out the high school coaches. He wore out the kids. The earlier he was on them, the less likely they were to commit. And that, at the end, was kind of the undoing of Tom Crean. With Archie Miller, it's sort of the opposite. The kids vibe with him. They like Indiana. They like the brand of Indiana now. And so he's able to recruit guys in the state of Indiana who are kind of top-end players. And so people are willing to be patient as long as the recruiting's good, the recruiting, the recruiting's been good, so now it's kind of time to show yourself and flex some muscles and, and maybe bring back some of that Indiana swagger that really hadn't been around minus 2002. Wow. The last time they went to the Final Four, last time they went to an Elite Eight. That's crazy. You know, it, it, yeah, it's, it's time for Indiana to you know, be among the Big Ten's elite again. 
and uh, and fans are. I you know what this can this can spin a couple of different ways. You go eight and zero, and all of a sudden expectations get a little bit funky, and people get excited. And then you know if they go into January and they lose some games, people here are going to turn pretty quickly. But I think right now, you know, especially with Devonte Green playing the way he is, I think Indiana fans are stoked. Hey, Ken, I'm looking at your Twitter account, at Kent Sterling on Twitter here. You said, uh, of all the good basketball stories in Central Indiana this season, which is the best? You have hashtag go dogs, hashtag IU basketball, hashtag Pacers, and hashtag boiler up for your poll. What one would uh, Kent Sterling choose? Oh, I'd choose Indiana. And and I have an affinity for all of them, actually. Uh, I, I think Butler's a terrific program. I love the culture of, of Purdue basketball. And I think Indiana, the Pacers, are the kind of the one team in the NBA that plays starless and really generous basketball. They they share the ball. They share the scoring load. So I have an affinity for all of them. But I think Indiana's got the chance to to really kind of move up in class and all of a sudden be the story this season. Well, speaking of the Pacers, how are you liking Malcolm Brogdon? Oh, I love him. That You know what? And, and I, I do, do like some speaking engagements in the area from time to time, and I talked to some guys earlier this week, and I told them, that not only should they love him as a basketball player, but if he ran for office, and I mean any office, you would vote for that guy after spending five minutes the with president, him. The president, man. Just, yeah, absolutely. A high-quality human being, a terrific teammate. And, and if you want a reason why the, uh, the Pacers are 14-7 and seven, with a game tonight against Detroit and a game tomorrow night against the Knicks, so looking at 16-7 and seven and kind of being a surprise, Malcolm Brogdon is a great place to start. Hey, uh, Ken, I know it's kind of like uh, two ships passing in the night. You're here, and a lot of us are there. Being an Indianapolis guy, what, what's the vibe in Indy for the Big Ten championship game? Uh, I see that it's overwhelmingly in the secondary ticket market. You know, 60% of Ohio State, it's like less than 5% of tickets are, are being bought up by Badger fans. I mean, are you expecting, are you hearing boots on the ground that this is going to be like a de facto home game uh, for the Buckeyes? Do we have any shot in this game tomorrow night, Ken Sterling? Well, those are two questions. I do think it's going to be a de facto home game for Ohio State. They like coming here, and this is a really easy place to get to. It's all interstate travel from all directions. So if you guys have been here for the Big Ten tournament in March or the Final Four when you guys were here in 2015, this is a really fun place despite kind of the reputation. You don't think, well, let's go to Indianapolis and have a great time. I mean, those words don't just kind of roll off the, <laughs> roll off the tongue easily. But it's a great place for a sports-related weekend. The downtown is really compact. You can walk everywhere. Uh, Ohio State loves it here. They're here almost every year. They spend a lot of money here. We love them. It's going to be a great party. Where the game is concerned, you guys are going to have to play great defense. When asked to name his favorite family members, he asks if the animals in the barn count. This is the Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. 535 on a Monday, and we bring you continuing coverage of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Annual Meeting and YFA Conference, wrapping up in the Dells today. And today is the day that Wisconsin Farm Bureau President Jim Holt retires. Here's our very own Caitlin Riley with more. After seven years of leadership with the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation, Jim Holt officially hangs up his hat as president. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Caitlin Riley. Last night, Holt addressed members of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation at the annual meeting. I had the chance to catch up with Jim before the reception held in his honor. The Dunn County Farm Bureau member has deep roots in agriculture. 
His family heritage started in the Elk Mount area when his grandfather settled from Norway in 1884. In the 1990s, Jim faced a big decision regarding his dairy herd. He was filling those familiar feet and knee problems that a lot of our dairy farmers out there face. And his children didn't want to milk cows after him, so he decided against expanding and retrofitting his farm. Instead, he converted that farm to a cash grain and beef cattle operation that's still going today. He was elected to the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Board of Directors in 1995 and selected as president in 2012. He says his final days as president were a little surreal. It feels a little strange because uh, retirement's always something somebody else does rather than you, and so it feels a little strange. But um, I'd have to say I'm optimistic for this organization. We have great people here that can carry the load and figure out how to go forward. Tell me about your first involvement in agriculture and what led you to becoming part of Farm Bureau. Because some people today who are the young leaders may someday be standing in your shoes. Well, um, I had a phone call out of the blue from the county Farm Bureau uh, president in Dunn County. And I can't even tell you if it was, uh, what year it was particularly, but inviting me to be involved in the young farmer activity. And that really was the beginning. And, uh, you know, the people in my home county are special to me. They've uh, been supportive, encouraging, and I've always been able to count on them. That's something really important. You've seen the ups and downs of agriculture yourself coming from a milking herd and making that decision to transition into something else. What words do you have for our farmers out there who may be facing the same thing and don't know what their future in agriculture may be? Well, at times, uh, we are guilty of, of worrying or, or, or criticizing change. Um, but yet change has been a constant throughout our history. I mean, you look back to the 60s, the 50s, the 40s, for my father and grandfather, it was a constant sense of change. I think we're going through the same thing now. There's parts that we don't like, granted, but I have confidence in the current and younger generations to find solutions to adapt to change and to make it as best they can. Any highlights from your time in Farm Bureau or serving as president? Um, I was fortunate to have uh, our Secretary of Ag, Sonny Purdue, come and visit my farm a bit ago for a town hall type meeting. And it was expressly, especially refreshing to sit next to him and visit with him and find that this guy was just like a neighbor down the road. He's another farmer. And with somebody like that, in that role, it gave me great consolation. I just felt good about it. What would you say to people out there who maybe aren't involved in Farm Bureau about this organization? What does this mean for our farmers out there? Uh, Farm Bureau is, for many people here, and I've just talked with some, but it's a family. It's, uh, it's built on the family structure, the, the values that many of us hold around that structure. And it's one of the uh, entities I think is going to stay that way and go forward and, and help us bring positive things to our structure. We talked about change and how sometimes people are hesitant for it, but how have you seen this organization change to meet those adapting needs? Well, we have thankfully had a number of uh, organizations help sponsor our young farmer activities. And that is the uh, focal point for myself as far as how our future will be because without those younger farmers, those new ideas, and challenging us older people about how we're doing things, that we will find ways forward that will be better and stronger. And what are your plans now that you are going to be taking some time back? I'm not going to say time off. You're going to be taking some time back because, as we know, no farmer ever truly retires, whether it's from the farm or from their working organizations. That's true. We do not. Um, 
Well, I think the pace will lessen some, and I'll have the opportunity to spend more time with family. Um, those things I look forward to. Once again, congratulations to Jim Holt and his retirement after serving for seven years as the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation president. He will also be stepping down from his role on the American Farm Bureau Federation Board of Directors. But we won't call it complete retirement from agriculture yet as he has a farm south of Elk Mound where they grow corn, soybeans, and alfalfa and still raise some beef steers. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Caitlin Riley. All right, thank you so much for that, Caitlin, and congratulations to Mr. Holt. As all of us here at the Midwest Farm Report wish him a happy, healthy, and very joyous retirement. As soon as we find out who is going to succeed Holt, we will certainly let you know, so make sure to keep it locked to MidwestFarmReport.com as we bring you that continued coverage. We've still got a whole lot more for you, and news and markets are up next. In farming, getting things done early has a way of setting you up for success. Like using Corvus for an early season win over weeds. Corvus keeps even the toughest weeds from gaining a foothold. Multiple sites of action deliver superior control of emerged weeds. And later, Corvus reactivates with just a half inch of rain to take out any new weeds that may have sprouted. So get an early season win against weeds with Corvus for end of season rewards. Always read and follow label instructions. Corvus is a restricted use pesticide. Well, this gift may not fit under the tree, but it will fit well in your day-to-day life. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee here for my friends at McFarland's, 780 Carolina Street, right there in the heart of Sark City, just off Highway 12, where they have got the best deals of the year on their Massey Ferguson compact tractors. You can get 0% for up to 84 months, zero down, and cash rebates. But you've got to take action now. Why don't you ask Bill or any of the staff in the farm department to give you a test demo on one of those Massey Ferguson compact tractors? And remember, talk to your tax advisor as well. Section 179 pops to mind when I take a look at these opportunities. Again, that's 0% for up to 84 months, zero down, and cash rebates when you buy a Massey Ferguson compact tractor now through the end of the calendar year with my friends at McFarland's. And don't forget, it's not just about the sale. It's also about the service they'll be providing you as well. McFarland's in the heart of Sauk City, 780 Carolina Street. He takes being called a pig as a compliment because he knows that they're smarter than most dogs and people. This is the Farm Report with Josh Scramlin. Today is the final day of the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation's annual meeting and YFA conference in the Wisconsin Dells. And delivering the keynote address on Sunday was American Farm Bureau Federation Vice President Scott Vanderwall. And during his time in America's Dairyland, he stressed just how important it is that we get some of this legislation passed on Capitol Hill in Washington. And more importantly, that we voice our opinion to our members of Congress. Really, the top of the list for us right now is international trade. And and the top of that list is USMCA, the U.S.-Canada-Mexico Trade Agreement. We are putting a full court press on um, our Congress, people in Congress, to get them to pass that. And I used the analogy in my speech uh, when we went back to being kids and we were on a trip. The kids start saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? We need to do that to our congressional offices and start sending emails and phone calls, knowing that they tally those up. And when they get 20 or 30 contacts on a given issue, it makes an impact on them. Again, that is American Farm Bureau Federation Vice President Scott Vanderwall. And the Midwest Farm Report caught up with him after his keynote address at the Wisconsin Farm Bureau Federation's annual meeting and YFA conference in the Wisconsin Dells. Like I said, today is the final day of that conference, and we will be bringing you updates throughout the day.
Now we take a look at your opening markets. Right now, cash corn is at 367.5. That is up one penny. And new crop corn is down half a cent at 376 and a quarter. Cash beans are up one cent at 890 and a half. And new crop beans are at 905 and three quarters of a cent. That is up two pennies. Cash wheat is down one and a quarter at 531 and a quarter. And new crop wheat is at 522 and a quarter. That is down two and one quarter of a cent. As for dairy butters at 191 and a half, that is unchanged. Black cheddar is down a quarter at 197. Cheddar barrel is down one and a half at 222 and three quarters of a cent. And as for those fluid milk contracts, right now January 2020 milk is up 11 cents at 1873. And finally, February 2020 milk is unchanged at 1785. Don't forget, MidwestFarmReport.com is where you want to go if you want to claim your free Fabulous Farm baby bib, courtesy of our friends at Quick Trip as they support Wisconsin agriculture. As always, for the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Josh Scramlin. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. It's not too often that kids say, when I grow up, I want to be a salesperson. Now, who are we kidding? Nobody says that. We're polite Midwesterners. We don't like talking about money, much less asking people to part with it. That's why we don't hire salespeople here. We never send our staff out to put a business owner in a headlock and throw their car keys up on the roof until they buy something. In fact, we don't let our people even talk to business owners until they've learned the principles of good advertising. When you work at Midwest Family Marketing, you get intensive training from top marketing mavens across the country. Decades of systems that turn good local businesses into successful household names. You gotta want to help and have the integrity to put our customers' needs above all else. Easy job? No. Challenging, enriching, rewarding, and fun? Every day. Email Jared at jobs at MidwestFamilyMarketing.com. Midwest Family Marketing is an equal opportunity employer. Well, the end of the calendar year is right around the corner. Time to make some decisions. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee here from my buddies at Zimbrick Chevrolet, Main Street, Sun Prairie. It is December. Talk to your tax advisor right now. See if buying a new vehicle for your business is going to reduce your tax bill. It's called Section 179, and lots of Chevy vehicles qualify. To use the 179 deduction, you need to do a couple things. The vehicle has to be titled in the company's name. It has to be used for business at least 50% of the time, and it's got to be placed into service before the end of this calendar year. Chuck Yebs, my buddy that's working in the fleet and commercial area, can help you out, or any of the staff at Zimbrick Chevrolet. Remember, they are a business elite dealer. That means you get extended service hours, work-ready loaners, and a smiling face in Chuck Ebbs that can work you through all of the right business decisions. Find out more today. Zimbrick Chevrolet, Main Street, Sun Prairie. Even though many of us in ag, including myself, like to think that we know everything, there is still a lot to learn even if it means going to Google. And no, I'm not talking about typing in a question and hitting search. I'm talking about listening to a former Google employee give his thoughts on how the ag industry can not only keep up with, but get ahead of the trends. That former Google employee's name is... Steve Lurch, president of StoryArc Consulting. And he has worked with brands such as... Uh, In the agriculture space, the National Pork Board, American Egg Board, Avocados from Mexico, Milk Pep, um, Dairy Management Inc., like that. And then outside of agriculture, mostly technology companies like GoPro and Fitbit and Otterbox. How do you think that companies find the next big thing, ultimately? 
so much of it is just about paying attention. I think it's about um, having an intent-based strategy to pay attention to what's happening out there. Um, there are so many signals that consumers send up, whether it's the search data that I love to talk about, whether it's comments on YouTube channels or Facebook pages and their social listening platforms to pick that stuff up. But there are a lot of signals out there. I think what I would challenge most companies to say is, are you listening or not? Do you have a, on your schedule once a week to go just try and listen to consumers? Does somebody on your team responsible for that, for hearing what consumers are saying? Um, so I think a lot of it is just intent. You don't have to be a, a internet whiz to start picking up signals. You just have to try. Obviously, the short answer would be that they just miss out on a great opportunity. But what happens when companies do miss out on the next big thing? Yeah, I mean, there's probably, um, I don't know what the right term for this is, probably sad stories all across all sorts of industries right. of companies and, and entire industries who, who did that, who failed to innovate or failed to embrace some sort of change. Um, but yeah, it's not just about what you miss, it's what about what your competitors gain as well, right? Like if, and just as I say, certain milk and dairy products could be a part of keto, keto. well, so probably could certain soy milk products or certain almond milk products. Um, and if they take the foothold, if they become the face of that, now you have a whole new generation of people trying your competitor for the first time. Um, but I think that's a cautionary tale, like I said, for any part of your business. Um, doing things the same way you've always done it is just a terrible way to exist, especially in the technology-driven world of today. I always tell the story, it's not even much of a story, but I always talk about Uber and about taxis. The thing that's so fascinating about Uber killing all the taxi companies is that they're not doing anything that taxi companies couldn't have done themselves. It's just a matter of how comfortable are you in your current state? And taxis are the only game in town and they didn't feel the need to innovate. But are you telling me they couldn't have thought of the idea of customers paying through a credit card or typing in your location on a GPS? And these are obvious ideas. If you as a company, if you as a brand are, are comfortable in your spot, in your space, then you're probably going to lose your spot in your space. Um, you always have to be searching for what's next. Mm -hmm. Something during the presentation that I enjoyed, as you just said, the food and beverage industry, and maybe I could say the ag industry is something that changes so much all the time. But it's interesting because so many people in this industry are deeply rooted in tradition, and they think that they can't latch onto these new trends. But what would you have to say to that? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And uh, I, I use the term weird a lot in my presentations. It's a weird industry. It really is. The fact that new things can pop up and completely dominate consumer preference and consumer choice. I guess what I'd say to all the traditionalists out there, and, and I've met with a lot of them, as I meet with these checkoff programs, I'll meet with their boards of directors at times. And a lot of them are old family farmers who have been doing this for generations. Yeah. Um, my wife ha is, you know, her parents have a farm that they inherited from her grandparents. And um, the thing is, while they can do whatever they want growing their crops and growing their business, although uh, certainly it makes sense to embrace technology, at the end of the day, everything they do is at the mercy and the dictation of consumers. It doesn't matter if you're comfortable with X, Y, or Z. It doesn't matter if you like Facebook or YouTube. It doesn't matter if you get your news from a newspaper or a website. It matters what your consumers do. Um, and consumers, I promise you, are changing and changing fast, especially the young ones. And at the end of the day, Every audience matters, but you have to really run your business based on the, the consumers that are going to be buying your products for 50 years. And those are the kids that are 20 and 25 and 30, the ones who are extremely embracing digital platforms mm -hmm. and digital decision making. What are some of the biggest obstacles that you think agriculture faces? Because just from talking to people in this room, these videos that work against agriculture on social media, they catch on like wildfire yeah. and then it's tough to get those people back. But 
how can we get ahead of that? It's so hard. Trust is such a a fickle thing, I think, in today's society. I talked about this a bit in the speech, just that idea that consumers are more skeptical than ever because they have more resources and more information than ever. It is so hard when you don't own the conversation about your product. And there's no way to. There's always going to be third parties telling different stories, true or untrue, favorable or unfavorable. There's always going to be competitors who have their version of the truth. The best thing you can do is be a part of the story. I think the last thing you want is people saying terrible things about you, about your category about your product about your company about your employees your farmers your producers and that you don't even have a voice in the fight so i think a lot of it is is figuring out where these conversations are happening whether it's online or in the media whether it's certain websites or certain social media platforms or in the comment sections of some video Um, i think understanding where the conversations are happening and then figuring out your role in it because you don't want to sit it out you don't want to you don't want to sit out these important conversations and then something that you brought up that i don't think a whole lot of people think about is we think that these people are just thinking about these health trends all the time and it's always anti-ag but you're saying that maybe people don't care about it as much as they did 10 or 15 years ago yeah that was i think a fascinating i don't say discovery for me but when i when i realized it I think that way, too, because I go to these conferences and and I hear so much conversation about things like organic versus not organic and GMOs versus GMO free. And and as I said, my my wife came from a farm. She used to work for the House Ag Committee. She has very strong opinions on things like GMOs. So I, I hear it all the time in my circles. But in the average consumer's day, the average consumer who doesn't read ag reports, the average consumer who doesn't um, you know go to conferences like the Dairy Experience Forum, um, I do think they're losing steam. I, I think it's um, and I use search trends as my data source a lot, but I think it's very telling the fact that searches for GMOs or for genetically modified foods or for organics have been on the decline for like five years in a row. And again, I'm sure it's still very important to certain people. Again, I'm sure it's still somewhat important to a lot of people. But the question for brands and for companies and for industries is always to say, is it the most important thing? Should I be talking about GMOs or should I be talking about protein? You know what I mean? Like we did this with the American Egg Board years ago, or they did it themselves. There's this idea that the egg board used to always have to talk about cholesterol. They used to always have to defend that they weren't high in bad cholesterol. And then we see search trends over the past 15 years, and all of a sudden, consumers kind of stopped caring, and they cared more about protein. And if I'm an egg company, if I'm the egg board, I realize, well, we're super high in protein. I'd rather just talk about that. You know, I'd rather just promote my one good thing. If I don't have to defend myself anymore, I won't. Um, So I think it's just something they need to continue to pay attention to. Like I said, I think it's surprising because in the spheres we run in, we hear it a lot. But the average consumer is very different from the average farmer, from the average food industry employee. You really have to try to put yourself in their shoes. And whether it's search trends or some other consumer survey-based product, you you got to try and figure out what they really, really care about. As Steve said, doing something the way that you've always done it is not necessarily the best approach. And the best thing that you can do is welcome change. Before I let you go, I want to tell you that you should head to MidwestFarmReport.com as you can claim your free Fabulous Farm baby bib Courtesy of our friends at Quick Trip as they support Wisconsin agriculture. It's that time of the year. It's the holidays. I understand that money's tight. So why not get a free gift? You can be the hero of anybody that's got a toddler. Give them that free baby bib and then make sure to send us a picture.